Welcome to the weekly podcast of Upper Room Christian Fellowship in Lincoln, Nebraska. Thank you for listening. Well, good morning. It's good to see everyone this morning. As I said, Luke and Patrice are in Chicago, so I get to, I get to teach this morning. Um, and our text for this morning is going to be Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 through 30. Um, Susie and I, we went to, uh, we go to a family camp every year. Um, and this June we went to Michigan for family camp. And uh, the this verse, this this section of verses, specifically verses 28 through 30, were kind of the theme verses for the week, and, and they were um, teaching on them. And um, a lot of their teaching was more application-based, but I've been meditating and thinking about these verses ever since then in June um, and reflecting and, and just uh, kind of internalizing them. They, they stuck with me. Um, and it, it occurs to me that uh, they are... Obviously, they're the words of Christ, so they're applicable to us in the here and now. Um, but uh, you know, there, there's many of us in this in this culture, in this uh, day and age, that are overloaded and weighed down, and uh, anxious, and we're laboring and we're toiling. Uh, we in the church often, um, and. Um, you know, these these are the words of Christ to us that long for rest and repose. So would you read with me uh, Matthew chapter 11? And as Luke has been doing, let's stand for the reading of God's word this morning. Luke chapter 11, verses 25 through 30. At this time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word that is so powerful and so applicable, Lord, to our lives. We thank you for this time that we have, Lord, to come and dwell in your presence. And we pray that you would teach us, that you would instruct our hearts, that you would challenge us. And Lord, that we would leave from here changed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So starting in verse 28, and we'll come back to 25, I wanted to read the whole section, but uh, starting in verse 28, the words of our Savior, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, 
for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. That first section, come to me, that we have in verse 30, that word come in the Greek is the exact same word that Jesus uses in Matthew 4.19 and other passages where he's calling his disciples to follow him. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You remember that, that section, right? Jesus walking along uh, the Sea of Galilee and seeing them out there and he's calling them, right? It's the same Greek word, come to me, follow me. Um, and a couple of things here. Jesus, this idea of the invitation of Christ, right, that really uh, stuck out to me. Jesus inviting us to come to him, where many, maybe many of the Pharisees and religious leaders of his day were not willing for people to come to them. They, they maybe saw people as a bother or uh, some a waste of their time because, you know, they had better things to do. Jesus inviting the people that he's talking to, the multitudes. Um, in the context of this passage, he's been addressing the multitudes and going through various teachings, and he gets to this. So he's inviting them. Jesus invites us, right? Um, and he wants us. That's the idea that I really, really want you to get. Like, he wants us. Pastor Luke's been teaching through Romans. And do you remember the passage in Romans where he talks about Jesus liking us, right? That's been sticking with me. Jesus likes us, not just loves us as God the Father loves everyone, you know, holistically and completely, but no, individually, specifically, Jesus likes us and he loves us and he wants us to come to him. He invites us to come to him. And who is he inviting? He's inviting everyone who labors and is heavy laden. Uh, labor, that word for labor means to labor with wearisome effort, toil. Wearisome effort, toil. The word heavy laden talks, it, it, the implications there are overloaded, weighed down. So, wearisome effort, toil, overloaded, weighed down. Ellicott's commentary says it this way, the words, labor and heavy laden, arc wide enough to cover every form of human sin and sorrow, but the thought that was most prominent in them at the time was that the burdens grievous to be borne, the yoke of tradition, and the ordinances which the Pharisees and scribes had imposed on the consciences of men. So this is the crowd that Jesus is talking to, and they were well acquainted with these words from the perspective of the labor and the yoke of traditions that the Pharisees had placed on them, the heavy burden. Matthew 23, 4 gives us this insight. For they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on the men's shoulder, on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. Talking about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So the burden, the heaviness of religion and all that they added to religion and what Christ was setting them free from, so it can mean wide enough for the burden of sin in general and sorrow, every form of human sin and sorrow. There, there, there's enough width in that definition, but specifically in the context, Jesus is talking to the yoke of traditions, the burden that the Pharisees have laid 
on them. And, and how many of us can get caught up in kind of the same works-based mentality and forgetting that the, the substance and the completeness of the gospel, Jesus' all-sufficiency and complete provision and our complete inability or feebleness. We forget that. And uh, sometimes we, we go down that road and, yes, I, not I but Christ, we sang that song, not I but Christ, through Christ in me, we sing it, but then we go into the world and then we're back into I. I can do it. I can do this. I can follow um, and uh, get back right back into that works-based mentality um, and forget Christ's all-sufficiency. It's a, it's a heavy burden. It's a heavy burden on top of the burden of, of uh, you know, the, the, the pressure of our own propensity to wander away from the Messiah, to wander away from Christ and our, our own struggles with sin. Um, we, we bear and carry a burden of performance. We think that we need to earn in some way uh, what Jesus has done. And, and Jesus says very poignantly to us, as he did to the crowd, come to me and I will give you rest. But he doesn't, he doesn't stop with just coming to me and I will give you rest, which would imply I'm just going to remove all of your burden and, and you can rest and repose. I get the visual image of, of uh, relaxing on a beach with nothing to do and no cares in the world. That's not what Jesus calls us to. In the very next verse, after he says, come to me and I will give you rest, Verse 29, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. So not just come and I'm going to take away your burdens, but he says, take my yoke and learn from me. Now, what's a yoke? Uh, in our, you know, my, my family are farmers and uh, none of them farmed back when yokes were being used. Uh, and so we may not understand or know what a yoke is. Uh, a yoke in, in, uh, in our, in the, the technology on the farming side is just insane. I mean, they have GPS positioning on the, the equipment that they, they just run themselves, really. And a farmer goes out and checks them. I mean, it's just, it's totally been, transformed in the last uh, 50 years. But back in the day, they would use a contraption called a yoke. And that contraption, it's a, it's a wooden cross piece uh, that's fastened over the necks of two animals, typically oxen, um, although there, there other animals could be utilized, and attached to a plow or a cart or something like that to, to pull. And, and it would be a, a contraption by which you would harness the, the energy and the power of the animal to accomplish a task, to, to do work, um, plowing or pulling um, as, as the need uh, was. And so Jesus brings in this idea of a yoke. Now, in his, to his audience, in the context of who he's talking to, they would have all understood what a yoke was, and, and they definitely understood uh, the implication, uh, the, the difference between the yoke that the Pharisees were putting on them and the yoke that Christ was talking about. So it's, 
he's talking about a yoke, but uh, he says, take my yoke and, and learn from me. So I have five observations about a yoke that I want to share with you this morning. And, and the first is, uh, it's his yoke. That really struck out, struck me as I was reading this, this passage. Take my yoke. Not just a yoke, but my yoke. Um, well, who, who is it that's saying this? Uh, in verse 25, just a couple verses before this, Jesus, again, we read this already. I'm going to read it for you again. Verse 25. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. So who is this? This is Jesus. This is the Son. This is the one who knows the Father. Who all things have been delivered to. And other scriptures tell us all things have been placed under his feet. He's Lord of heaven and earth. He knows the Father. And he reveals the Father to those whom he wills. He's already the one doing the plowing. Right? John 5.19, Jesus says, Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Father, the Son, also does in like manner. Jesus is the one who's already doing the work. He's already plowing the field. He's already doing and accomplishing the will of the Father. He doesn't call us to rest in terms of not having anything to do on a beach, sipping a mimosa or whatever, um, he calls us to partner with him in the work that he's already about. And that's accomplishing the will of his Father, ultimately bringing the kingdom of God. It's his yoke. Number two observation on the yoke is the yoke, his yoke, is complete Submission and obedience. Complete submission and obedience. In my uh, research uh, for uh, this, this sermon, I came across a story, and this is a, a story uh, told by uh, a, a vet in Utah, and uh, this vet tells the story of uh, this old farmer in Utah that farmed in the early 1900s, back when they actually did use yokes. And since then, he's, you know, he's not actively farming anymore, but he still, as a hobby, still engages in farming activity that requires the utilization of a yoke and still trains oxen to use the yoke. And, and, uh, and so this, this, this old farmer calls his vet out to the farm and to treat the animals and the vet develops a relationship with this old farmer and starts to, uh, you know, uh, understand what the farmer's about. And, and as he's out there, he notices that the way the, the vet, or sorry, the way the old farmer trains young oxen to hold a yoke is he will, he will strap them in with this. He'll first he'll build a yoke. So the yoke is like handcrafted for the ox. 
the fit is good and the fit is, is and it needs to be good, right? Uh, it needs to fit well around, um, you know, around the neck. But this old farmer would take his mature, older bull called Clyde and he would strap these younger bulls right up with Clyde. And Clyde was this huge monster of a beast and Clyde would drag them around the field, basically. And this young bull had no choice because Clyde was bigger, Clyde was stronger, and Clyde was obedient to the yoke. He didn't resist the yoke. Clyde was efficient. He knew how to plow a field, walk that furrow, make a good clean turn, walk it back. He was, he was good at what he did. He was a well-trained bull. And so the farmer would train these younger bulls by strapping them right up with Clyde. And basically they would, they would learn. Okay. Well, the vet would get called out because these younger bulls had these plate-sized sores on their necks and backs. And the vet asked, well, how can we, like, what do we can do about this? Maybe we need to change the yoke. Maybe it's the yoke. And the, the farmer said, it's not the yoke. The yoke fits perfectly. It's the fact that the young bull is resisting the yoke. And until that bull determines and decides that he's not going to resist the yoke, they, they suffer these wounds, which we're trying to, which we treat and try to cure, but if it continues, the bull is, that, that young bull is only good for going to a slaughterhouse. If he continues to resist that yoke, that's the only purpose that, uh, that the bull serves at that point because they, they can't be used to accomplish the work of farming. And, and so it is, um, with us. In, in, in terms of the yoke that we take on, that, that, that it's Christ's yoke that he puts on us. It's, it's something that he has lovingly and carefully crafted for us. The thing that he calls us to, the thing that he calls us to, and we'll get into that, it's crafted for us. It's, it's fit is perfect. But we do have to submit. And we have to obey. What do we submit to? We submit ultimately to his lead. Right? To his lead. He's the, the main ox. He's the one that's doing the work. He's the one that's plowing the field. We're, we're joining him. We have to submit to his lead and he keeps us on the straight path. On his path. What else do we submit to? What else do we need to be obedient to? Well, the second part of that, take my yoke and learn of me. We submit to his teachings. That that word learn of me literally means be my disciple. Learn of me. Become like me, right? So this context of disciple that's foreign to us in a Western context, but in the context that Christ is speaking to, the idea of a disciple was a well-known idea. And these individuals would give up uh, their their livelihoods or their families, they would follow this teacher and they would act like the teacher. They would learn of the teacher. They would, the same with the 12 disciples that Jesus picked out, right? They were with Christ all the time. They heard what he did. They saw what he did. And then they mimicked what he did. And and Jesus encouraged them to mimic what he did. And, And so Jesus says, learn of me, right? Take my yoke, learn of me, literally become my disciple, be taught by me. Now, those of you that were in youth group, you should understand this concept because last year we talked about 
we talked about this very concept. It wasn't phrased like this, but do you guys remember the two F's in terms of our relationships with Christ? I've failed miserably. It's not your fault. It's my fault. Apparently I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, loud enough. I don't know. I'll have to yell next time. We talked about this idea of fandom versus following. And that many of us are content to be fans of Christ. The churches are full of fans of Jesus. They come to Sunday morning, they cheer on, they worship, you know, they're fans of Jesus. They, they love what he stands for, but they're not followers. You guys remember this? Is this ringing a bell now? Fan versus follower. Right? That's what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about being his disciple, being a follower of him, one that is fully invested, one that is totally committed to walking with him and being taught by him and obeying his teaching. And so that's the it's the yoke that Jesus calls us to. And what do we learn? As we learn of him, what do we learn? He says in the very next verse, or the very next phrase, learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We learn that he's gentle, that he's lowly, that he doesn't give us more than we could bear, that he's patient and gracious and compassionate, that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Why Why is his yoke easy? I thought through this. Observation number three on yoke. His yoke is easy. Jesus said my yoke is easy. Why is it easy? Well, two things, a couple of things come to mind. Um, because the first is because it comes from the one who is gentle and lowly on heart. It comes from Jesus who likes us and loves us and gave everything for us. That's the heart from which it comes, contrary to the Pharisees, right? The Pharisees laid these heavy burdens of teachings on the people. They, they didn't care about the people. If you read the Gospels, you see that evidenced over and over. They weren't, they, it wasn't care and concern. It was jot and tittle. It was you will follow this and you will follow this. And uh, Jesus riled against that. So why is Jesus' yoke easy? Because it comes from a gentle and lowly hearted individual, an individual that cares about who we are and what we are. Now, that doesn't mean that he doesn't ask us to do hard things, but ultimately when we come into submission to his will, we come into submission to him, we find that the yoke is easy, that the, that the things that he demands of us are right. Matthew Henry's commentary puts it this way, the yoke of Christ's commands is an easy yoke, not only, gracious, not only easy but gracious, it is sweet and pleasant. There is nothing in it to gall the yielding neck. 
Nothing in it to gall the yielding neck. Nothing to hurt us, but on the contrary, most to refresh us. It is a yoke that is lined with love, such is the nature of Christ's command, so reasonable in and of themselves, so profitable to us, and all summed up in one word, that a sweet word, love. Andrew Murray, in his book, Abide in Christ, puts it this way, they did not know when Jesus said, my yoke is easy, that he spoke the truth. How the yoke gives rest, because the moment the soul yields itself to obey, the Lord himself gives the strength and joy to do it. They did not notice how when he said, learn of me, he added, I am meek and lowly in heart, to assure them that his gentleness would meet their every need and bear them as a mother bears her feeble child. Jesus' yoke is easy because it comes from him. The second reason that occurs to me uh, why Jesus' yoke is easy is because he carries it, ultimately. I'll read to you uh, another story from a, um, a professor and an author, uh, Dr. J. Dwight Pentecost. Um, and he writes this, Back in my college days, I observed an incident that made this scripture clear to me. On Sunday afternoons, I used to go out to a little rural Sunday school to teach. One Sunday, one such day, the superintendent, a farmer, and I were visiting in the community. We saw an old farmer plowing with a team of oxen. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> As I saw the team, I was somewhat amazed, for one was a huge ox and the other a tiny bullock. The ox towered over the little bullock that was sharing the work with him. I was amazed and perplexed to see a farmer trying to plow with two such unequal animals in the yoke and commented on the inequality. The man with whom I was riding stopped his car and said, I want you to notice something. The large ox is pulling all the weight. The little bullock is being broken into the yoke, but he is not actually pulling any weight. In the normal yoke, the load is equally distributed between the two that are yoked together. But when we are yoked with Christ, he bears the load. And we who are yoked with him share in the joy and the accomplishment of the labor, but without the burden of the yoke. The tragedy is that some of us never have never been broken into that yoke. Jesus is doing the work. He's doing the work in our lives. He's doing the work around us. And all he asks is for us to partner with him. We're not the ones that accomplish the work. And the faster we get that through our heads, uh, the better for us. His yoke is easy. Observation number three. Observation on the yoke number four is his yoke brings rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Will find rest. It's the words of our Savior. There's no question. There's no perhaps, maybe, might. He promises that if we do this, we're going to find rest. We stand on that promise as brothers and sisters. We, we don't have rest because we have not taken his yoke. Bottom line. 
we haven't uh, engaged in that submission and obedience. We're not willing to submit and obey. We don't have rest because we kick against his yoke or we choose others' yokes. Maybe the yoke of this culture. Choosing instead to bear these other yokes of the yokes of religiosity where we attempt to be religious and holy in our own strength, forgetting that our salvation, our sanctification, regeneration, justification is his provision to us. It's his gift. His work and not of our own doing. Rest is only found through his yoke. Observation number five on the yoke. His yoke is a picture of abiding. There's an aspect of permanence, isn't there? Once the ox is strapped into the yoke by the farmer, Ox isn't getting out of that yoke anytime soon until the farmer releases him, right? There's this idea of staying, of permanence. We're not in and out and in and out and in and out. We're in, all in. Just as the two oxen are locked together or yoked together and they walk side by side and the the only way for them to accomplish together without disruption is walking in lockstep if, if you watch videos of oxen plowing it's like the, the feet are there's a there's a timing and a rhythm every step the same together it's the same with jesus walking in lockstep with him we're not rushing ahead of him and getting yanked back by that yoke, we're not dallying behind and getting yanked forward. We're in lockstep in communion with him. We understand how he moves and where he moves and where he's going and when he's going to turn. It's this relationship of really fullness and completeness with our Savior. Rest is not found apart from his yoke or apart from abiding in him. Andrew Murray again puts it this way, the rest in Christ and not something and not something he gives apart from himself. And so it is only in having him that the rest can really be kept and enjoyed. I would add not just having him but staying with him. Abiding in Him. We can talk a long time about this concept of abiding, but I wanted to share just a few things with you from John chapter 15, verses 4 through 9. Jesus uh, giving us what this, a picture of abiding. Jesus saying, Abide in me. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. 
If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. It's such a beautiful picture of what we're talking about here, this this idea of staying, permanence, of being strapped into that yoke. We're the branch grafted into the vine. Branches can't pull themselves out of the vine, much less we can yank ourselves out of the yoke. We're we're grafted into that vine, and, and the branch has no power to bear fruit. None. None. None whatsoever. In and, in and of itself. The fruit, it, it bears fruit because of the life that flows through the vine into the branch. From the branch's perspective, it's not the fruit producer, it's the fruit bearer. It holds the load, right? It doesn't produce the fruit, it holds the load. And so it is with us. We bear the fruit that Jesus produces in and through us as we abide with him. Without him, we can do nothing. I think that's that's exactly what Jesus is talking about here. You're coming with me. I'm going to do the work. I'm going to bear fruit in and through you. You will bear fruit, in fact, he says in that John passage. If you're my disciples, you will bear fruit. The same as we will have rest, right? We will bear fruit. So how do we stay? How do we stay abiding? Well, John chapter 15, verse 10, the very next verse gives us how. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Jesus was obedient to the Father unto death. That's what he calls us to. There's no other way around it. It's not an easy gospel from that perspective, but how sweet if we accept that, if we say yes and amen, I will be obedient to you. I will obey your commands and abide in your love. Stay in that yoke. Again, from Murray, and I'll close with this quote. Abiding in him is not a work that we have to do as a condition of enjoying his salvation, but a consenting to let him do all for us, in us, and through us. It is a work he does for us. The fruit and the power of his redeeming love. Our part is simply to yield to trust, and to wait for what he has engaged to perform. Are we willing for that, church? Are we willing for that this morning? Are you willing? Am I willing? That's the question I ask. And that's really what I've been meditating on since June uh, and thinking about the, the aspect and the completeness of submission and what submission and obedience, the roles that they play in my relationship with Christ and how 
when I'm unwilling to submit and obey, I'm effectively removing myself from this relationship of abiding in him. I'm being that ox that is resisting the yoke. And it's clear what Christ calls us to. Take his yoke, be his disciples. And my challenge for you this morning is, are you willing for that? Because until we're willing for that, we're not going to find true rest. He's promised us a way for rest. It's very clear. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your word again that is so clear and so um, impactful, Lord, and, and just challenging, challenging to the core of who we are. Recognizing, Lord, the reality of, of very many areas in, in my life, in our lives, that we really have not submitted to you. Not walking in obedience. We're resisting, Lord, that yoke. or resisting your work and, and not understanding, Lord, that you have just, you've done it all. You're the one that's doing the work. You're the one that's, that's plowing the field. You're the one that's bearing the fruit. It's, it's not on us. You don't call us to do all of these things. You call us to stay with you. You call us to take your yoke upon you, upon us, to learn from you, to be your disciples, to walk in lockstep with you in obedience and submission, and to share in the joy of the accomplishment as we see you accomplish everything around us. As we receive what we've asked for, Lord, because you become the centrality of what we desire. I pray, Lord, for each and every one of us here this morning that you would challenge us to our core and that we would ask these hard questions of ourselves and our lives and the path that our lives are on. Are we submitting to the yoke? Because you invite us. Say, come. You long, Lord, for us. You like us. And you desire us to walk with you. May we respond, Lord, to this passage, to your challenge to us. May we respond with a yes and an amen. In Jesus, in your precious name we pray, amen.